Well, good morning, Grace. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. And, you know, I'm looking around, guys. Everybody's come back from vacation. So you know what that means? If you're going to come to the 9 or 11 30 service, you better, or 9 30 or 11 service, you better show up early to get that parking spot. But it is so good to, to have you here today. And it's hard to believe that already classes are starting. My son's leaving for college. Uh, let's see, this week, my daughter leaves in a couple weeks. In fact, we were out to eat, and I asked my youngest son, he's going into eighth grade. I'm like, dude, you know what your life's getting ready to be? It's like you with a couple old people, man. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and he wasn't so impressed with that, but he has made plans for his brother's room, his sister's room. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not like a whole suite. You know, he's like, yeah, there's a game room now. This is like movie room. I'm like, no, it's not. It's going. But, you know, now it's, it's you know, we, we get into to these rhythms. And, and so now if, if you have kids, you're getting back, your kids are going back to school, you get in that rhythm. Maybe it's just the rhythm of fall, meetings, whatever, work. And, and rhythms are a good thing as long as, as long as rhythms don't lull us into a sense of complacency. And, and, and so while things are picking up, man, let's, let's just dig in, guys. We're in this series called, called Fruit of the Spirit, talking about what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. And so things are picking up here at the church too, guys. Don't forget, Men's Advance is coming up. At the end of this month, you can register the Next Steps wall. And then... Uh, there's a great group. The Cragens are going to be here in concert on Friday night. We had the privilege of being part of them launching years ago. They're going to be doing a praise and worship Southern Gospel uh, concert with us Friday night. So hopefully you'll be there at seven. But but today I've got I've got something I want to run by us. We've been in this series, uh, you know, going through the fruit of the spirit. And again, we've been talking we've been talking about the fact that that this this fruit it, it is very obviously spirit produced. There's a reason why it's called spiritual fruit. It comes from the spirit. And so Galatians chapter five has been the launch pad chapter for this, for this series. And in, in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 23, we, we see the, 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 the fruit of the spirit. This is a minimum. This isn't the extent of everything that he's doing in us. But we do know that at a minimum, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And, and so if you're new here to grace and you're just catching up, first of all, what you gotta know, if you go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Idaho Grace, pick up some of the context because we've been talking about what does it mean to, to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, and that kind of laid the foundation as we've now been looking at this fruit. But again, we've been talking about we don't produce this fruit. And so, so here's what, what this means. In this series, it's not like I, me or any of the other speakers are like, hey, go out of here and be more loving. You need to be more kind. Please be more patient. You're like, we're not shaming anybody because here's the thing. Though we need to make room for the spirit to move and to work, the reality is it's, it's a walking by the spirit. Our challenge is, is not to do more so much as it is to just walk by the spirit and respond to the spirit, follow the spirit, keep step with the spirit. And I think this, this whole idea of, of walking with the Spirit, this is, a, this is a pretty incredible thing. In fact, you know what? Uh, Nate Becerra, come up here real quick. I'm going to pick on Nate. Nate, come up, come up here, buddy. I'm going to uh, use you as an example because, you know, sometimes, listen, these people don't get it. So, like, you and I, we get it. So, we're going to figure this out. Did you know I was going to be bringing you up here? No. You nervous? 
No. Okay, good. Okay. So here, we're going to start over here. Okay, so let, we're, we're, okay, this whole thing of, of walking with someone, there are some basic requirements when it comes to walking with someone. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay, so for instance, let's just say I say we're going to walk to that, to that place over there. I'm going I'm to go ahead and start, start walking. Exactly. Exactly. Look at that expression on his face. I didn't even coach him, and that's perfect, man. It's like, okay, how can you say that we're walking together when you're going there and I'm going there? Can I tell you the reason why many of us aren't seeing the fruit of the Spirit is because we're not walking with the Spirit. We're, we're walking in two, the, the spirit is, is saying walk here and we're walking there. Maybe it's because we don't recognize the voice of the spirit. Maybe because we haven't even started this journey. It could be a variety of things. But we can't say we walk together. We can't say we walk together if we're going in different directions. Does that make sense? Okay, so actually let's go over this way, okay? okay. Ready? Let's, let's walk. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> Nate, you're really good, man. You're doing good. Okay, so, so again, so here's the deal. What took place there? Oh, you ditched me. I ditched you. <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, like, okay, so we can be going the same direction in general, but, but I'm not, we're not walking together if we're walking at a different pace. And Nate, you're probably gonna get married one of these days, okay? Hopefully. Don't, hopefully. <laughs> See me after service. Um, <laughs> Don't do what I did. We, we were in New York City not too long ago. And so we'd be walking together and I don't pay attention. And I would just take off, just walking like crazy and look back. And my wife is eight steps behind me. And she's like, I hate it when you do that. You leave me behind. Anybody, anybody else ever do that? Okay, so I'm not, the, I'm not the only one. Okay, so we can't, we can't say that we're walking with someone if we're walking a different pace. Let me just pause real quick. Um, a lot of us are trying to walk at a pace the Holy Spirit never called us to walk at. Instead of following the Spirit, we're looking at somebody else and we want to live what they're living and we want to do what they're doing. And so we're finding our assurance by doing something God's calling them to do, not what he's calling us to do. And there are times we're actually walking ahead of the Spirit. Now, we do know there's another part where there's a, a lag, there's a resistance. We're not keeping step of the Spirit. You, you, have to, you have to have the same, same destination. You have to have the, the same pace. But, but then, are you, are you enjoying this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> there, there has to be a willingness. There's, we, we want to walk together. So like my brother and I would, would walk to, supposed to walk together to school. But like if we were fighting, we did not walk together. We didn't want to be together. And, and there has to be a desire. For us to walk together, we have to go to the same place, same pace, and then we have to want to do this. All right, I'll, I'll let you go. Hey, come give it to, get up for Nate. Like, thank you. I didn't prep him. He did it. Does this make sense? Walking by the Spirit is so, so very important. It's very important that we understand and we're able to discern the voice of the Spirit. And, and, and this isn't, we've already hit this in an earlier message, but let me just say very quickly, a great place to start is, is the Word of God. 
The, the, the word of God allows us to understand what his voice sounds like. And I love what Jesus said in, in one of his last conversations with his disciples before he goes to the cross. John 14 through 16 re- records these words. And in that he said, it's good for you that I go away because if I go, the Holy Spirit, he, he's gonna be given to you and he's not just gonna be with you, he's gonna dwell in you. He's gonna guide you into all truth. But also what we see is, is it's the Holy Spirit that produces this fruit. We're connected to the vine. It's the spirit that is producing this fruit in us. So as we talk about the fruit of the spirit, we have to acknowledge it's not me trying harder. It, guys, it's, it happens as we keep in step with the spirit. We're living a surrendered life, just walking with him. Does that mean it's perfect? No, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. That's going to happen. It's, it's, it's though not accepting that failure, uh, that, that failure and, and sin is, is the final story. We get up and we follow. It's we, we confess, we get up, we follow, we walk in the light. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that guides us. And so, so as we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, there's some things that just naturally go together. And, and you guys know this. In fact, I'm going to do a quick quiz of this, conversation, of this congregation to see how intuitive you are. Like I brought Nate up, now all of you guys are on the clock. Okay, so for instance, first thing, when you, when, you, when you think of peanut butter, peanut butter and? Great. Man, I think it was like almost 100%. Maybe somebody said some honey or whatever, but that's it right there. That's what I'm thinking. Peanut butter and jelly, you just think of that. Next, what do we have here? Salt and? Man, you guys are just killing it. You guys are on it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ra- we're gonna move away from the food category or seasoning and all, all that. Um, here, here we go. Bert and? You guys know your PBS kids. Way to go. That's good. Okay, I got another one for you. Love and? Oh, that's what I just heard up here. I didn't hear. I didn't hear what they, somebody says marriage. Somebody said, somebody said, I heard about like 14, 15 different things. I want us to think this morning as we continue our series. From now on, when, it, when you think of peanut butter and jelly, they go together. I want you to put these two together, love and kindness. Because it's so interesting as you go through the fruit of the spirit, you read through and you're like, it's like what is the difference between some of these things? And we're going to look at, at this in 1 John. But what we're going to see is that, that, that love and kindness are, are two sides of the same coin. In fact, I would, I, I, I'm making the case that, that kindness is, is love in action. It's, it's the expression of, of this love. In fact, this is what John writes about in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, when he says, by this we know love, that he, talking about Jesus, that Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how, I mean, he asks this question, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and, I like this word, and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Has your heart ever condemned you? Did I face this? Even this this week. In fact, there's a reason why Satan has a nickname. It's called, he's called the accuser, the accusers of brothers. And many times he'll, he'll use the heart, you know, we, we talk about as, as, as a means to lie to us. Nobody's lied to you more than your heart's lied to you. That's why when people graduate and you're just like, just follow your heart. I'm like, that is the worst advice ever. 
terrible idea. Nobody's lied to you more than your heart's lied to you. And and I like this word. He says that there are times that that, that we need reassurance and assurance is a very good thing. I mean, you you wanna be assured of job security that you're not gonna get laid off tomorrow. That's a good thing in a job. It's good in a marriage. You, you, you want to be assured that your spouse is committed. It, it frees you from, from that. If, if you're not assured, there's a lot of angst and, and, and man, anxiety that goes with that. It's good to be assured that, that what you're doing, the work you're putting in, it's, it's going to result in graduation or whatever the case happens to be or, or, or maybe the assurance after you leave the doctor's office that that, that spot isn't what you thought it was, that you're healthy. Assurance is, is a good thing. And, and can I tell you that assurance is a great thing when it comes to following Christ. And I, I wanna make this point. We can have assurance that we belong to Jesus Christ. And what I love is that in Romans chapter eight, the, the, Paul, the same guy that's writing in Galatians, introducing the fruit of the spirit, makes the point that, is the, that it's the Holy Spirit who gives us this assurance that we're born of God, that we belong to God. This is a beautiful thing. And, and, and John uses this word, this, this we, we can reassure our hearts. And he goes back to a few things. This, this assurance that we have, that we belong, is, is anchored below the surface by faith in what Christ has done on the cross, that we have been saved, not because of our efforts, but because Christ was able and Christ paid the price we could not pay. But then it is also fed by the fruit that we see in our own lives. We are not saved by works. But I will tell you, as James said, faith without works is no faith at all. The transformation that God is doing on the inside will inevitably express itself and it changes the way we live. And so John is making this interesting point. Ongoing assurance is fed by active love. Now, when, when I put love and kindness together, I, I, I love one of my favorite Old Testament Hebrew words is, is a word called hesed. And like, I, I don't ask people to memorize Hebrew words because you're like, I don't even know what that means. But, but if you're gonna memorize any Hebrew word outside of the, the names for God, like El Shaddai or Adonai, whatever that we find in, in, in the Old Testament, I would challenge you to memorize this word and just... Man, just research, find where this shows up in scripture. This, this Hebrew word hesed is, there's no perfect English word that really fits this. And so you'll see it interpreted, translated in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it'll show up as steadfast love. In fact, the first time that we see it in Exodus chapter 34, it's, it's God revealing himself to Moses. And, and he talks about, you know, part of his character is his steadfast love. Um, sometimes we'll, we'll see it re, uh, in, uh, translated mercy or grace, you know, whatever the context is. But one of my favorite translations of, of this word is it, it, they, they use this phrase to, to, to explain hesed. It's loving kindness, loving kindness. In fact, Titus, when he's explaining who God is in, in Titus chapter four, uses that phrase. It's the God of loving kindness. And this is why I want us to tie these two words together, love and kindness. Bert and Ernie, peanut butter and jelly, salt and pepper, love and kindness. You see, John says that this kindness feeds our assurance. And so that we understand what this, what this really is, kindness is, is nothing more than love. And I'm gonna specify, we said it's love and action, but, but specifically kindness is love meeting felt needs through deeds. Kindness is love meeting felt needs 
through deeds. And it's this work, the Holy Spirit's doing this work in us. By this we know love. He's using Christ on the cross as an example. What motivated him, John is saying, is, is love. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And then he ties us, he says, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And so we have the example, and now we have the challenge. And what, what I love about the fruit of kindness is that, is, you know, we've been talking about, it, like, I'm not perfectly giving you a perfect definition for all this, because some of this, we just have to, we, we know it when we see it. And, and really what I want to do is just train us to be fruit inspectors, so... We can see what the Holy Spirit is, is producing in, in our lives, recognizing the lives of others. Not to be used in a judging way or anything like that, but man, thank God, who, who am I that God would save me? Who am I that God would continue to do this work? It's a beautiful thing. But, but what, what I love is that kindness reveals that we're finally, we're, we're beginning to see people as God sees people. How, how does God see people? I, I think one of the greatest Definition, I mean, one of the greatest pictures into this is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that, that he gave what was most precious. All of scripture reveals that people matter to God. People have great value. And so what kindness is saying, when we see this fruit, when this fruit is lived out, kindness says, you matter. The recipient of kindness, we're saying to them, whether we're saying it with words or not, you matter, you have value. Acts of kindness is treating people as if they are precious, as if they are so precious that you cannot overinvest in them. And you're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. There's gotta be some boundaries when it comes to kindness. I'm, a, I'm just going to stop listening until you get to the boundaries. Okay, you're going to miss a lot. I'm going to get to some boundaries. But listen to me. Listen to me. God's love does not have boundaries. I love that old hymn, the love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. It goes on to say that, that if, if the whole, if the, the whole uh, you know, if we, had a, if we had a pen and we were going to write with ink the, the, the love of God, if, if, if the, all the oceans were filled with ink and we, we used all the ink in the oceans, we would just be started on being able to, to understand the love of God. This is how God this is who God is. God is love. John says, John's going to say in the next chapter here in 1 John. You see, kindness is valuing. And you see, we all make value. We, we, we all make uh, value decisions. Like, okay, for instance, inflation. It's hitting everybody, right? Anybody like, hey, I actually like the fact that prices are going up. Loving it. Loving it. No, I don't, like, I don't know of anybody that says, you know what, I'm, I'm really happy. I want my pay to stay here and I want all the costs to go really high. That's gonna be amazing. Nobody's like rejoicing, right? So I'm with my son, Trey's getting ready to go back to college. And so <laughs> I, I said, I said, man, I said, what are, what, when you're not eating the cafeteria, what do you do for food? And he's like, you see those? And we were walking through the, uh, the Asian aisle and it was like these big noodle bowl things that you put in a microwave. He's like, 
I pretty much live on those. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I was like, it's not healthy. And he, he's like, and I was like, well, hey, just pick up some. You can take them with you. So he, he comes with a whole stack. And, and, and so he gets there and he's, he's scanning them. And at first, I, did, I guess he thought that he was buying them and he didn't know that I was. And so he's scanning them and, and he's like, dude, they've gone from a dollar a piece to a dollar 25. Inflation, baby, that's what it is. And, and I'm like, I've got it. And then he was able to scan them all because like, if it's him, he's gonna put some back. <laughs> but, but we all make decisions. Like some of you parents, man, you're not buying Fruit Loops. You're getting like, I don't know, Tutti Fruities or Silly Circles, whatever the off brand is. <laughs> and trust me, your kids know the difference. I know the difference. <laughs> and I'm not a fan. But no, we all make, we all make value judgments and, and, and literally kindness is, is, is nothing more than, than love, the, the, the fruit of the spirit. It's an expression of this love of saying you matter, you value this inconvenience, this, this sacrifice, you matter. Kindness is meeting felt needs through deeds. And you know, if you go back to Genesis chapter three, the gospel is so powerful. We have to, to, to truly appreciate the gospel, we have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter three. It's the garden. Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two, God's creating, he's calling it good, it's, it's all good. But then, but then we get to Genesis chapter three and everything falls apart. You know, that God said, man, you can have anything that you want. I mean, every, I mean life, life is good. Adam has a job he loves, he's taking care of the garden, he's got a wife. I mean, they, they're living the life. And, and then yet, there's this one tree, you gotta stay away from that, and here's the deal. The, the serpent shows up, you know the story. They listen to the lie. You're better off being your own master. They, they partake the fruit, sin, and the resulting consequences, because by the way, that's still an issue for us. We still buy into the lie that we can be our own master, not understanding that, that what we call freedom is nothing more than slavery. And, and, and so immediately what we see in Genesis chapter three, and, and I'm not gonna read, you, go study that, summarize it. But what we see is that there's immediate alienation that results in specific needs that every person has. So, so real quick, when I say alien, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like a Martian, like a little green dude, uh, flying saucer, right? That, I mean, actually, by the way, I wanna just thank those of you who, read the news or see the news and you think of me when you come across certain articles. I had several of you send this to me this week. <laughs> Cats are classified as invasive alien species. I've never agreed more with science. I'm gonna tell you right now, like I am on board with this. But <laughs> that's amazing, <laughs> sorry. Um, we got weird people to go here. Um, but, but when I talk about aliens, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about cats. I'm not, when, when we talk about an alien, I'm talking about a little green dude or a you know, flying saucer. Alien, something alien is something that's out of place, something that's not where it should be. And, and what you gotta understand is when the fall took place, it, it turned everything upside down. And we're, we, we see this today, things are out of place. This is why we long for the return of the Lord. Because what we know is, is the Lord is gonna turn, turn things right side up. Romans 8, all creation is groaning. There's a re restoration that's coming when Jesus returns. But, but, but until then, there's this, there's this alienation that happens. 
So, so like, like, for instance, I was traveling with a music group when I was in college, and we were in Michigan, and we traveled in those 15-passenger diesel vans. Anybody remember that? Like, you cannot get insurance for a 15-passenger diesel van anymore. They're, like, supposed to be unsafe, but we swerved all over the country in those things. And so we pull up. It's, a, it's one of those big old diesel vans. We pull up. We, we run in to, to get some supplies, and the guy's filling it up. We're not paying attention. We get in the van. We leave, and we find out the guy has put unleaded fuel in a diesel van. Okay, you guys get it. I'm not a mechanic, but I'm just telling you right now, you just drove a little bit and everything gummed up. In fact, we had to bring a, a, a guy from the college out. He had to go through everything, empty, clean out, hoses. It was a major, major mess because unleaded fuel is not intended to be in a diesel van. It's out of place. And, and sin is not intended to be in God's paradise. It's out of place. And so what happens is now we have, we have this alienation. So what it's resulted is this alienation. And, and guys, this is a very real need that people have today. We're running from God. Where once Adam and Eve had intimacy with God, they're walking with God in the cool of the day. They're, they're now hiding from God. And can I tell you, this is still happening. There's, there's a spiritual alienation. And so there's a need to be spiritually reconciled. But then there's, there's, this, there's this alienation within ourselves. If we don't know God, how in the world can we know ourselves? And this results in all kinds of identity issues. We don't know who we are. We're trying to find meaning. We're trying to find purpose. Guys, we see this right here today. Whether it's a felt need or not, people are searching. We're turning to this or, 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 or this area or this tribe or this gender or whatever the case happens to be. This, I've got to find meaning. I've got to find identity. But here's the deal. If we don't know God in whose image we're created, how can we know ourselves? And what this alienation within ourselves always results in is, is a relational alienation from others. Can I tell you, as a person who's canceled, I don't know how many couples across the years, marriage counseling, the number one issue that I deal with is not sexual infidelity. Somebody cheating on their spouse. Now, I'm sure that happens, and we've dealt with different things. It's not just fighting over money or the kids or whatever. The, the number one thing that, 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 is contrib- that I've seen contributes to, to dysfunction within a marriage is a lack of relational vulnerability. We, we hide things. We're, we're not, it's almost like we're, we're two separate people living under a roof. We might share a bed, but that's all we share. And we see this in so many different areas of life. There's, a, there's this relational alienation. And guys, all, what I'm talking about is these are, these, these are caused by sin. It, you can go all the way back. I'm not saying that if you wrestle with this, that you're necessarily living in willful sin. I'm just saying these are impa- Im- this is impacted by the fall that took place. The, the fourth thing, I don't know that we think about that. We, we feel it, but we, I don't think we think about it always this way. But there's a physical alienation. We're alienated from nature itself. We live in a fallen world. There's pain. There's cancer, heart attacks. People get fired. Crazy things happen. Emergencies, crises. And it has nothing to do with, well, I shouldn't say nothing. A lot of times it has nothing to do with performance. In fact, many times we buy into this humanistic way of thinking that's like, if I can dream it, I can achieve it. And if I work hard, man, everything's going to turn out the right way. And then here's the deal. You can give your life and work your tail off and still get thorns. We, we are alienated 
from nature itself and from this alienation, we see how this has affected our broken world. We're longing for the return of Christ. We see war, racism, crime, divorce, the breakdown of the family, inability of other people to get along with other people and all this sort of thing. Maybe you're like, what does this have to do with kindness? My question is this, we're following the example of Christ. We're talking about spiritual fruit. Did Christ only meet the spiritual needs of people? I'm not hearing an answer, no. He healed, he counseled, he challenged. You see, Jesus came to introduce the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God, the work of the kingdom of God brings healing into all of these areas. Now, when I talk about felt needs, let's just, let's just admit this. When it comes to the, the, the uh, uh, alienation from God or alienation within ourselves, sometimes we're blind to that. There are, you can show up to church for years and, and if your eyes are not opened by the Holy Spirit, you can be blind to your need for God. You can be blind to the battle that's going in within your own heart. You don't see it. That, that's why we must have the Holy Spirit. Now, I will say this though, how will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless they hear the preaching? Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes from the word. And, and so it's interesting because we have spiritual fruit. There's also a thing called spiritual gifts. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, all of that looks at the gifts of the Spirit. And, and really, though, if you look at the gifts, they, they can be broken down into two broad categories, word gifts and deed gifts. And word gifts, many times, it's what God uses to, to reach those, those places that aren't felt. And that's why we, we preach the gospel. That's why discipleship is so important. That's why counseling is important. All of these things are, are over, over here. Those are word gifts. But then there's the deed gifts in which we meet felt needs because those other two, relational alienation and physical alienation, you feel that. People know when, the, the, when the, their marriage is on the rocks and, and divorce is coming. And I say that, maybe you're blind for it, but there comes a point where you know you're in crisis. When you get that report from the doctor, you know you have cancer. You know when you're hungry. There are felt needs. And church, did you know that we, as the people of God, have the opportunity, have the opportunity to not just speak words, to not just love with words, but to love in deeds as well. I love this description of Jesus as he was walking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus had just risen from the dead, but these two guys had no clue. And so they're all downcast and discouraged and Jesus joins them, they're walking together and, and he asks them what's going on and they're like, man, ha haven't you heard? And they tell them the whole story and, and, and then they begin to explain who this Jesus guy is and they're talking to Jesus. But you know how they describe Jesus? I love this description of Jesus. It's in Luke 24, 19, they describe Jesus as being mighty in word and deed. It wasn't just words, he lived this. And this is why John is writing, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? This should convict every single person in this room. And can I tell you, I'm just gonna tell you, God's been kicking my tail this entire week as I've been doing this. And so I, let me just be flat out. You know, like if you, if, please never elevate a pastor to a place where you deify them. There's a difference between respecting a spiritual leader and deifying a spiritual leader. You should never deify a spiritual leader. We're, I'm just as human as anybody. I'm just about, what is this? I don't know, two feet, two and a half feet tall, up, higher than you. And God's been kicking my tail this week. Can you know what he's showing? He's showing my, na you, I, I, my natural thing is, 
dude, you work, hard, work your butt off and, and then you'll be rewarded. I am naturally a judgmental person and I hate to admit that. That's who I am by default. Thank God that he's transforming me. But what God, what God, God just has been convicting me this week. I've been thinking about this because you know what the opposite of kindness is? It's meanness. And not like, you know, making some snarky, sarcastic comment. Well, actually, that's probably mean too. But, I, but I'm talking stinginess, uh, um, the opposite of generosity, hoarding, holding on. Like, yeah, they're not worthy of this. And so you see somebody in need, but you make up all the excuses why you shouldn't be inconvenienced, why you shouldn't give. Literally, the, the opposite of kindness is meanness. And, and man, this, this week as I've been studying, I can't find a single example in scripture where meanness is something that God values. In fact, can I tell you that when it came, when, when, uh, if you'll go to the prophets and you read why uh, uh, the Jews were sent into exile, there were two primary things that could come back to time and time again. First of all, they turned to, to other gods. They were not faithful to God. But the second thing they come back to is you were not generous and you did not take care of the poor. You did not take care of the, the, uh, the widows. You did not take care of the sojourner. You did not care. You stopped caring. Somewhere you stopped embodying who I called you to be as my people. You're not my people. And he sends them into exile. I just, I just wonder if it was just this real, real hard and fast thing. I mean, if, if God's looking at my life, Am I, am I kind of, I, again, this is why it's good to be a fruit inspector. I can't produce this. All this shows me is my absolute desperation for the Holy Spirit to change me. I cannot be who, who we've been called to be. I, there's no way any of us can fulfill the example we have in Christ without the Holy Spirit transforming us. We have to walk with the Spirit. You know, I've been thinking about this passage that just, keeps coming back to me. Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he's, he's talking to those who are being welcomed into heaven. He said, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or, or thirsty and give you drink? When did, when did we see you sick or, or, uh, or when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will answer to them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What's this look like in real life? I was thinking, I was, I was asking God, I was praying through this this week, what's this look like in real life? And um, I think part of my answer came, uh, you, we celebrate what took place back in June when Roe v. Wade was overturned. And can I tell you that the church should celebrate that? That is a miracle. We've been praying for that. And to see God do that, that is a wonderful, powerful thing. But woe be unto us if all we do is celebrate a decision and we don't step up on the other sand and be pro-life on both sides of the coin. I just sat down with David Ripley who leads pro, uh, Idaho Pro-Life 
and we were talking through this because we've been brainstorming even through the Grace Center. What does that look like? How can we be part of, 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 of caring? What, what are things we can do even on the adoption side, Christian adoption or, or fostering? What, what can we do? Because I'm sick and tired of the church handing over our responsibility to the government and saying, you do this. It's up to us. It's up to us. And I've just been, I, David told me, he said, he said, over the last several years on average, there are 2,000 babies that have been aborted right here in Idaho. Here's my question. What are we gonna do with 2,000 babies that aren't aborted? Which I'm gonna celebrate the fact that we chose life, but don't, we cannot say, oh, way to go, way to choose life. Hope everything works out well for you. Do we care about moms? Dysfunctional moms? who are alienated from God, are alienated within themselves. Dude, they're alienated from, from the baby daddy. Dude, they don't know. They don't know anything. Do we care? What does it look like to be kind to the poor? To be kind to the widows? To be kind, these, these girls, many of them are widows. They have no support. Are we willing to bring people into our homes? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, God would not ask that of me. We've got our life. Really? If that's not, what is kindness? Is it just a feeling? Can I tell you? Because some of you like, are like, there's no way he's getting these final two points in. Yes, I am. Because <laughs> I, I want us to know just not that kindness is love meeting felt needs through deeds. I want you to know that kindness can be counterfeited. And I, I need to bring this up as we're talking about this. Because you know what the counterfeit of kindness is? It's a sentimental feeling. That response, oh, man, I'll be praying for you. I want to challenge every single person that when, you're, when, when, when you want to say those words, I'll be praying for you this week, would you just, instead of saying those words, stop and say, can I pray for you right now? Why, why, why don't we just do that? And, and it, but, but, but the sentimentality goes beyond. Prayer is powerful. But, but, but if I really believe what I'm praying, I, I'm gonna pray, God, how can I be part of the solution? What can you do in me? What can you do through me? Because, because the counterfeit is, is, is a sentimental thing. It's this, there, there's another side of this in, in which we actually do deeds, not spirit-motivated, it's, it's Flesh motivated, self motivated. I want to get my high. I was uh, see, several years ago. I was reading the account of a, of a pastor I know that pastors in Colorado Springs, Colorado, came came to pa uh, pastor this church. And this church was was known for doing a big outreach in in a certain part of the the urban uh, the inner city of Colorado Springs, and they would give away shoes each year. And so. In addition to, to talking to people within the church, neighbors or media around the church, what this pastor did just to find out who the church was, he went down to, the, to, to where they would do this, uh, this outreach and he went from door to door, did not tell them he was a pastor. He was just saying, hey, I'm trying to get information about a church that does some work here in the area. And he mentioned the name of the church. He's like, man, can you tell me something about this church? Most people couldn't tell him anything about the church. Some people said, yeah, they come down here every once in a while and they'll give, they'll give away free shoes to the kids. But then he, he came across one guy and the guy said this. He said, yeah, he said, that's a church. He said, I wish they would leave our neighborhood alone. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, man, he said, that church once a year comes down and, and gives us a glimmer of hope that somebody sees our need and they're gonna actually help us do something about this. But they give us a pair of shoes and we don't see them for 365 days. 
He said, I wish, I wish they would just stop feeling good about this and just not do it at all. The pastor said it transformed. He said, what I saw is we had been operating a, a bottle rocket view of ministry where we have a lot, big flash, a lot of noise. And he said, I wanted to change our ministry to where we weren't a bottle rocket that we do it and it's gone, that we were a smoke bomb. It just smokes and it lingers and it's there. We're a lingering sweet presence in our city. And that, that man, that, that's, that's something I've never forgot. Because guys, that's what I, I want for grace. I've been saying this in recent months. And, and by the way, just know when I say this, this isn't me saying I'm, I'm resigning or anything, please. Like somebody walked out like, hey, I think our pastor's resigning. No, I'm not. But what I've said is this. If all we want as a church is to come in and feel good, to get our, our little bit of inspiration where we feel better about God and we feel better about ourselves, I'm not interested in that. Literally, if that's what we're gonna settle for, that's where I, 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 I walk away. I, first of all, if that happens on my watch, I'm a terrible leader. I'm a terrible leader. And I, but I would say this, we're the church. If it happens on our watch, shame on us. No, I, I don't want to settle for a counterfeit. I want the real thing. Because the last thing I want to leave us with is this. Is while kindness is this, it's love in action, love meeting felt, need, felt needs through deeds, and there is a counterfeit, you, you know, here's the good news. Kindness can be cultivated. Now, I'm going to throw out another church here in town. Like, if, if, you're, if you're coming here to Grace and you're like, I just don't think this is a church for us. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend a church to go to. because I, I Actually, I can recommend several. We have great churches here in the Valley. But I love Dan Manjack and what he's doing at Good News Fellowship. Love Dan. He's a good buddy of mine. We've worked together. I, he loves his heart for the city. But several years ago, uh, Good News Fellowship started a uh, food bank. It's one of the best food banks we have in the entire city. I like how they're structured, the way they do things. They're just incredible. And, and Dan told me this story a few years ago, and so I should have called him last night to make sure I had all the details right, but Dan will email me and correct me if I got it wrong. But um, early on, when, they'd set, when they, they were setting things out, there was a guy that, that came up, and he was, like, he was from the neighborhood. He was like, what are you guys doing? And Dan's like, you know, we're starting this food bank, and gave him a little, uh, gave him a little background. And the guy was kind of, he's kind of sneered, like, yeah. So I see, he said, you're just one of those churches, you're doing this to, make, to, to feel good about yourself. And Dan kind of looked at him like, what is your deal? And the guy's like, no, he said, I know. He said, I've been, I've been around churches. He said, in fact, he said, one of the primary reasons I'm an atheist is because though there might be some evidence for a God, I can't believe in a God if his people act like the church. He said, I don't have time for any of that. And just, I mean, he, he was, it wasn't just that, that he was sarcastic. He was like openly hostile. So Dan, Dan told, said, you know, I was just kind to him and, and didn't say anything. Well, for the next, the next few times they would do it, this guy would show up. And again, he's asking questions and kind of just being a pain. But then after, after a while, he, he, came to, he came to Dan and he asked Dan, he said, he said hey, he said, could I, could I maybe help? Do I have to be part of your church to help with this? And Dan's like, no. He said, just set up bread. Like, dude, literally, just set up bread. And so the guy would show up and he'd, he'd help set things out. A few months into this, the guy came back to Dan. He's like, man, you're messing with me. Dan's like, what are you talking about? He goes, you're messing with me. He said, my excuse for not having anything to do with God is because of the church. And he said, man, I'm actually seeing what a church looks like that actually loves and he said, you're messing with me. 
Now, I haven't heard the, the other side of the story. I don't know what's going on. All I know is that church, I'm, I believe that kindness is one of the most powerful testimonies that we have. But it's not a sentimental kindness where we do some things and we post pictures about it and hey, or we hit the like button or send an emoji out or whatever. No, it's a, it's a kindness that stays. It's a, listen, can I tell you that sometimes kindness is having tough conversations. Did you know that, that, that sometimes saying no is one of the kindest things you're gonna do for somebody? Kindness isn't like this soft, sentimental, hey, let me make you feel good. No, we're not about giving, we're not called to give people what they want. We're, we're called to, to not withhold when they're in need. We're here to love and, and that sort of thing. And, and so a lot of times we make excuses. Well, they're just gonna waste it and all that. Well, I came across, I'm gonna leave you with this. I came across this message by an old Scottish pastor by the name of Robert Murray. I think it's McShane or McShaney. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how you say his last name. I just came across it while I was researching. And he says something I wanna leave you with because guys, I, I'm, I'm convinced that this, this kindness, we can't originate it but we can cultivate it, that we can intentionally practice and steward what, what God's producing in us. Can I tell you, this fruit is not meant to stay on the vine. I like what Daniel Becerra said last week, week when he was talking about patience. Literally, this whole thing that we're called to do is just to make room for, for what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. And, and Robert said this, this pastor said, and I'm just gonna quote him because he says it better than, than I can say. He said, now, dear Christians, some of you pray night and day to be branches of the true vine. You pray to be made all over in the image of Christ. If so, you must be like him in giving. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. He said, I can already hear your objections. Objection, my money is my own. See, I earned it. My answer is that Christ might have said, my blood is my own, my life is my own. Then, brothers, where should we be? Oh, I can hear another objection. The poor, many of the people who I could help, they're undeserving. But I say to you, Christ might have said, these are wicked, wicked rebels. Shall I lay down my life for these? No, I'm gonna give it to the good angels, the deserving poor, you see. But no, Christ left the 99 and came after the lost. He gave his blood for the undeserving. But if I give it to someone, they may abuse it. Oh, Christ might have said the same thing, yea, with far greater truth. Christ knew that thousands would trample his blood under their feet, that most would despise it, that many would make it an excuse for sinning more, and yet he gave his own blood. My dear Christians, if you would be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely to the needy, even to the thankless. It's not your money Christ wants, my dear friends, but your happiness. It's what Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I fear that there are many hearing me who may know, well that, may know well that they are not Christians because they do not love to give. To give largely and liberally, not grudging at all, requires a new heart. An old heart would rather part with its lifeblood than its money. Oh, my friends, enjoy your money. Make the most of it. Give none away. Enjoy it quickly, for I can tell you, you will be beggars throughout all eternity. Man, I'm going to tell you guys, I read this and this pierced my heart. You see, right after Paul introduces us to the fruit of the Spirit, 
here in, in, in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, just a few verses later, chapter six, and we, we divide into chapters. He didn't divide into chapters. He just flowed. And in, 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 in chapter six, verse two, he said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love God with all our heart, to love our neighbors ourself. You can't bear one another's burdens when I'm just praying, hey, man, I hope you make it. Man, when I, I, I don't carry a table by saying, hey, man, good job with that. No, I pick up some of the weight. I feel the weight. In church, it's time. If God is developing this fruit within us, to not stop short with praying for somebody carrying a table, but to pick up our end to carry it with them. Kindness is love that doesn't stop short with words, but it's love that meets felt needs with deeds. On your message guide on the, on the back, there's some questions that I, I just would challenge you to pray through. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, what's a message guide? Like if you walk out the, the doors, there's a little black table. It's always there. You can always pick one up as you come in. Uh, you can grab one, uh, little pieces of paper there. And on the back, it just has different questions and that sort of thing. But there's some questions I want us to consider. And I, I think, again, it's, it's just asking God, please, would you transform me, change me? Break my heart for what breaks your heart. Produce this fruit. I don't want to be a person who is only morally unstained from the world. I want to be a person who's in the world but not of it, but a person who's introducing others to Jesus Christ. And church, I just challenge you with me. Search our hearts. Walk with the Spirit. It's in this walk with the Spirit that he changes us to become like him. And it says we live our lives like him that our testimony is what it should be, that, that, that it comes back to what Peter said. Man, when people question you for the hope that is within you, answer them with love and respect. That's what God's given us. And so God, as we close this time, would you continue to cultivate within your church not more standards by which we can look at others and feel morally superior, though you have called us to be holy. Dear God, don't call us to just feel good about ourselves, to have spiritual emotions. God, would you so transform us that we don't stop short with feeling an emotion and then forgetting it. But God, may we walk with your spirit, understanding that the fruit you're developing is a fruit that is meant to be lived out. May this church be the church. And so God... May we understand as we leave that we did not come to church. No, as we walk out these doors, the church is going to our homes, to our neighborhoods, to the places where there are hurting people that need to see love expressed in kindness, meeting felt needs through deeds. And so God, for watching and do for your people, we want to thank you for this. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks so much, church, for being here. You're dismissed.